Good day and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Devotion. My name is Nandi Fleming and I'll be your host for today's worship. Before we start, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, what a privilege once again just to open up your word and to learn from you. Lord, to learn to be more like you. And Lord, where there is pain and hurt, where people have transgressed and sinned against us, Lord, may you teach us what it is that you desire of us to do. Because Lord, we know that our human nature often goes against your word and what you recommend for us. But Lord, we are here to be taught and we are here to do what you have commanded because Lord, we know that you have our best interest at heart. Bless us, Lord. Heal us where we have been hurt so that, Lord, we can move on with life and have a full life to your glory and honor. This is my prayer in your name. Amen. For our verse this morning, I'd like to read for you from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The title for today's talk is Why Forgiveness is Hard. Part one. So forgiveness really is hard because it is often misunderstood. To forgive is probably one of the most difficult tasks that we have been tasked with on our Christian journey. And the reason that it is so difficult is because it is often misunderstood and there are many false theories that exist around forgiveness and what forgiveness is. One of these, for example, is the saying that says forgive and forget, often said to be from the Bible, which it is not. This is not a biblical concept, nor is it possible. I have never seen anybody magically get amnesia after they have spoken the word saying, I forgive you. We don't just all of a sudden have a memory wipe and don't remember any of the hurts of the past. We do remember. That is why we have a brain. But perhaps a better way to look at this saying, because there is value in it, is to see it for what it truly is. To make, to, to when we forgive, to make a choice, not to keep talking about it, not to keep bringing it up. So in this context, I would say the word forget should rather be don't keep talking about it. Don't keep bringing it up. Don't file it for later use. And then, of course, also a lot of people think and feel that forgiveness is an emotion. And they'll say something like, you know what, when I feel like forgiving them, then I will. But the problem is you might never feel right. You might never feel that it is time to forgive. Um, So forgiveness really is a choice. It is something that we decide to do because of the benefits of which we get when we forgive. So today I want to just explore again, once again, what are the biblical concepts of forgiveness and why specifically is this biblical concept of forgiveness hard? Because forgiveness is a very hard concept, not just because of the misunderstanding surrounding it, but because it truly is an act that is difficult to do. So to get to forgiveness, we have in our past talks explored the various types of sin, three types of sin, which is basically sins of ignorance, intentional sin, and rebellion in the King James Version translated as transgressions, sins, and iniquities. And we looked at the three Hebrew terms used for forgiveness in the Old Testament, which is the words nasa, kafar, and salah. Nasa meaning to lift up the burden of guilt from the offender. So if somebody has hurt you, to nasa somebody, to offer forgiveness of nasa means that you are literally removing, lifting up the burden of that emotional guilt that they feel, the internal guilt that they feel from their shoulders. And then to kafar means to cover the debt, specifically the debt of the guilty, because when they have done something wrong, there is something that needs to be fixed. We call this a debt. This could 
be material or physical debt. And this is usually external damages that take place. So basically, we see these two types of forgiveness refer to um, a lifting of the internal burden of guilt from the offender or the, the, the covering of the debt of the external guilt of the offender. And then we see the third type of forgiveness, which is called salah, which is to remove the punishment um, and the physical, the actual guilt itself. Um, and this only God can do, we said before. Only God can offer salah. We as humans can pray for salah and we can ask for salah on behalf of others. But the only forgiveness is that we can really offer someone else is nasa and kafar. So basically, um, the forgiveness of salah is there to remove the punishment and the guilt itself and to restore the person into favor with God. So because the law demands that breaking the law, there should be a punishment. So which of these three that I've mentioned just now do you think is the most important for somebody who has transgressed? So if you are the offender, if you are the person who has sinned against God, against your fellow man, which one do you think is more important for you to receive? Is it Nasa? Is it Kafar or Salah? Is it that your emotional burden from your shoulder be lifted? Is it that your debt, your debt of your guilt, that which you have damaged be removed so that you don't have to pay it? Or is it the removement of the final punishment and the guilt itself, the removement of the guilt itself that is the most important for you? My personal opinion that it is the forgiveness that only God can offer, the forgiveness of Salah, where God literally removes the punishment and the guilt itself. And the way that he did this is through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. He completely removed the guilt. In other words, we do not have to pay the penalty of of, of sin anymore. The Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. But now Christ comes and he says, I have now offered you eternal life. The gift of, of Jesus is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Savior. In other words, to receive Salah is more important to receive the other two forgivenesses. So, for example, if we look at forgiveness, we need to just make the distinction between how God forgives and what God does in terms of these three types of forgivenesses, which we've already looked at in previous talks, and how we forgive and how, what we do when we forgive. So as we said before, God can offer us salah only when we truly confess our sins and repent of our sins. Then he can remove the guilt and the punishment. But God can choose, despite the fact that he has removed the guilt and the punishment, he can, he can choose not to give the other two types of forgivenesses to us. He might decide not to remove the emotional burden of guilt. He might decide also not to cover the debt of the guilt, the material and physical external effects of it. But then it, when it comes to us, we as humans cannot offer salah. We cannot remove guilt Itself, and we cannot remove the, the ultimate, the final punishment of death from anybody that is offended. We can only give the other two um, types of forgivenesses where we basically decide to lift the burden of emotional guilt off somebody's shoulders by telling them that we've forgiven them and by covering the debt that they owe us because of the transgression that they have done. We can, however, pray to the Lord and intercede on our own behalfs and ask him for salah. And we can also ask the Lord to salah other people in other words, to cover their guilt, um, to, f to remove their guilt and their punishment as well. So this is basically the difference between how God forgives and how we can forgive. Now, according to these definitions of forgiveness, when someone sins against you, so think about a time when somebody did something wrong against you. 
We call, then you might want to bring a charge against this person. Now, a charge is basically laying a complaint and saying that they did something wrong and that they need to pay. And then we call you what we call a person in the court of law that does this, a plaintiff. Somebody that brings an accusation against somebody. And then the only thing that you can really ask of this person is to pay the debt and to carry the burden that is owed to you. Let me explain what I mean with this. So when somebody sins against you, we call them the accused in the court of law. You have accused them as the plaintiff. You are the person bringing the charge against them. Whether it is that they stole from you, whether they murdered, cheat, gossiped, lied, raped, whatever it is that you can think of. Maybe they were just rude. Maybe it wasn't a big offense. The first victim or plaintiff, in other words, the first person that brings an accusation against the accused is not you, but it is God. God is the first victim when somebody sins against you. Because you see... They are breaking God's laws. They are breaking his statutes and his principles, either through their ignorance or intentionally or because of rebellion. So he is the first one that brings an accusation against the person that has hurt you because they have broken his laws. So thus, the, the Lord opens up what we on, on earth would call a civil case uh, that is opened up against them by the courts of heaven. This is usually when the government brings a case and opens up a case against somebody. So we see the government of heaven saying you have sinned against God and we are bringing a complaint against you we are bringing a charge against you we are the first plaintiffs against this person um, and he is now standing accused before God because he broke God's law and then basically what happens is is that this case remains pending in other words it is an ongoing case and will only be decided the punishment and the due um, payment will only be decided at the final judgment the second coming um, then the case will be reopened by God, who will determine their guilt and their final punishment. He might decide that they will carry their own guilt and their own punishment, or if they have truly repented and they have truly confessed and returned the, from their sinful ways, then God will offer them salah, and he will remove their actual guilt, and he will remove that final punishment of eternal death. But you see, they stand guilty before God and God alone. God and the heavenly courts have a guilt claim against them. You, on the other hand, are the second victim of the wrongdoing, the second plaintiff, the second person that brings a charge against them because they have wronged you, whether it was in a small way or in a very deep way. Now you have what we call a debt a debt or a punitive claim against them. What does that mean? Well, you have a physical claim against them for whatever damages they have caused physically against you. And a punitive claim is basically that you can charge them with emotional damage. In other words, internal damage. So basically the claim that you have is for any external damage to you that they have caused or any internal damage that they might have caused you. Because now they owe you something because of the, 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 the crime that they have committed against you, because of the sin that they have committed against you. And you are really the second victim within this greater court case that ta that's taking place. Now, you can decide if you want to go ahead with this claim, whether you want to claim for the internal and external damages which they have caused you, or you can choose to forgive them, to extend to them nasa and kafar, to lift them out of their emotional burden of guilt and to cover their 
guilt, their debt, to cover the debt of their guilt. And now you can ask yourself, what is the debt of their guilt? What is the emotional burden? And I think each of us must just sit down and ask, well, what exactly is the debt? What has happened to you? What have they done that you are demanding that they fix? Because that is the debt. Usually the debt is that which you want them to do in order to recompense, in order to, to fix that which they did wrong. So basically your choices are this. Either you make them pay or you pay it on their behalf. That is what forgiveness of Nasa and Kafar basically include. So what your forgiveness includes is when you forgive, it means that you pray to God to salah the accused, to remove their guilt as well as the final punishment of eternal death from them. Because remember, they stand accused before God first. Then secondly, you can forgive them by Nasa, by lifting the emotional burden of guilt from them. And then in turn, you deal with the emotional burden of the hurt that they caused yourself. And then also, when you forgive them and you give them the forgiveness of kafar, you cover their debt. In other words, whatever they damaged, whatever they caused externally as a, as a wrong, you then forgive them and you carry the payment yourself. In other words, you cover the debt. Any damages externally that took place, you cover yourself. Now, this kind of biblical forgiveness isn't easy. You see, to pray to God to favor your offender and to remove their guilt and final punishment is not easy. To uplift your offender from the emotional burden of guilt is not easy. And carrying that emotional burden of pain yourself is not easy. To cover and not expose their debt um, publicly is also not easy. And then to, you know, um, carry the, 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 the debt yourself is very difficult. Now, the Bible never said that forgiveness was going to be easy. Of course, it is hard to forgive somebody, especially somebody who has intentionally wronged you. Um, nobody said that it was supposed to be easy. Um, you know, do we think that it was easy for God to forgive us, you know, for him to lift and carry the emotional burden of our sins, to cover our debt of our sins and to, to carry our punishment. And yet he had done nothing to deserve to have to do this. Nothing that he did had to force him to carry this burden or to cover the debt or the punishment on our behalfs. Um, and, and all of this, for him to do this on our behalf, to forgive us in this way, cost him his life. It, it, it required the death of Jesus on the cross. And forgiveness for Christ and for God the Father was not an easy thing, I believe. I mean, look at Genesis 6 verse 6 to 7 where God said, it grieves me that I have made man. Why is God grieved? He is grieved because we abuse his mercy and his grace. You see, so many of us abuse his forgiveness when God forgives us and he says to us, you know, I'm, I'm taking away all the consequences of sin. I'm removing the burden. I'm, I'm covering the debt. I'm removing the punishment and the guilt. And then we go off and we go and do it again and we hurt him again. But God still extends that forgiveness despite that fact. It can't be easy for him. So forgiveness is definitely not something easy that we do. But you see, we experience the same kind of thing in our lives because so many times people will abuse your forgiveness when you you know lift their burden their emotional internal burdens of guilt when you cover the external responsibilities and debt of sin that they have caused against you they will abuse it and they will do it over and over again some of them some of them won't and this makes it very hard you see 
as humans on the one end of the scale we want justice we want to have the person pay for that which they did we want them to be punished for that which they did we want them to confess and to say what they did wrong and to be exposed and and, and it's 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 the complete opposite of forgiveness our human nature drives to the complete opposite side of forgiveness we want justice because forgiveness and offering forgiveness is unfair and it is usually undeserved and that is for us as well as other offenders so there are various things that really makes forgiveness biblical forgiveness hard for us or maybe easy you see here are some factors the first thing is the intensity of the offense committed towards you if it is a small offense it's easier to forgive than maybe a large offense it's easier to cover the debt of a small offense and to carry the burden of a small offense than what it is to carry and cover the debt of a large offense and then another thing which also makes forgiveness hard is the motive behind the offense you see if you ask yourself what is the motive behind this person having hurt me or sinned against me was it because of ignorance so they didn't really mean to hurt me or was it intentional where they wanted to hurt me or was it full scale rebellion where now they didn't just want to hurt me but they wanted to destroy me um and you see it's much easier to forgive somebody when they accidentally harm us than when they go out on full scale rebellion where they want to really cause us harm and destroy our lives and and this makes either forgiveness very hard or a little bit easier because it's much easier for me to to lift the burden and carry the burden of guilt myself and carry the debt of a small ignorant offense as opposed to somebody who is purposefully harming me and going out of their way to destroy me and then of course another factor that one has to consider is your relationship with the offender um depending on your relationship with the offender it's going to be easier to carry the burden or it's going to be harder um is it a friend is it a family member or is it a foe is it an enemy or is it a complete stranger that has hurt you it's much easier some people have said to forgive somebody that you love um um so for example a family member or a friend as opposed to an enemy or somebody who you've never met but then other people have said for them it's actually harder to forgive a family member or a friend because they expect better they expect better from those who love them to say but you are somebody that i love why have you hurt me in this way and then of course also your 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 level of wanting to forgive in our human nature depends a lot on how the person responds um what do i mean with respond so let's say they've hurt you and after the hurt what is their attitude or their response after the hurt have do they have remorse are they sorry for what they've done have they confessed in other words admitted to the wrong that they have committed have they repented have they stopped doing what they've done and have they made restitution in other words have they paid back have they offered to to fix what they have broken you see it's much easier to forgive somebody that says they're sorry and admits that they are wrong and that apologizes and stops doing the wrong and maybe even offers to pay back and try and make you know right what they have done wrong as opposed to somebody who has no remorse who who says i didn't do that what are you saying who who has no repentance who keeps doing the wrong thing over and over again and makes no effort to fix their wrongs um it's much more difficult to to do this when somebody's response is negative versus positive after the hurt has occurred another factor that makes 
forgiveness, either hard or easy, is the type of damage that you have suffered, whether it is external or internal. Have you suffered just external losses or is it also that you have been damaged internally and emotionally by that which the person has sinned against you? And the amount of the external damage is also important, you see, um, that's caused by the offender because it's easier to, to carry, you know, the burden and to cover the debt of a small damage. So if somebody, for example, you know, scratches your car door versus, um, you know, beats your wife, for example, um, it's much easier to deal with a scratched door than to deal with the wife that has been hurt. It's much easier to forgive when it is a small external damage as opposed to a large external damage. And then, of course, also what makes it difficult is the depth of the internal damage that the external damage has caused, the pain and the sadness that you experience because of the offense. It's much easier to forgive somebody when they haven't really hurt you emotionally as opposed to when they have caused a deep emotional scar. So let me give you two examples of this. So when a family member accidentally bumps into you and you fall over while walking past you and they immediately say sorry and help you back onto your feet, the external and the internal damage would be very low and therefore forgiveness, in other words, carrying the, 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 the cost yourself and lifting the emotional burden off them and carrying it yourself would be very easy. It would be very easy to offer them nasar and kafar, to lift their burden and to cover their debt on their behalf. But then when, for example, um, a stranger comes to you because of road rage and they stop their car in the middle of the road and they grab you by your hair, hit your head against the car window until you start bleeding and their motive is literally to kill you or to put you into ICU and you see that they have no remorse but they sh keep shouting at you, you see this is what you get for driving slow in the fast lane. Um, the external damages as well as the internal damages would be very high and this would make it very difficult for us as humans in our human nature to lift the burden of their emotional guilt and to cover the cost, the debt of the external you know, damages that they had done on their behalf. Remember what is important about this talk today is this that we need to distinguish what exactly biblical forgiveness entails. Um, we're going to look a little bit later at why and when we should apply this. And we should also remember what makes it hard to apply this biblical um, type of forgiveness. Because dealing with some of these difficulties, you know, such as intentional harm, um, people who have no remorse, people who cause external and internal damages that are very high, can sometimes be difficult. And if we can just start by identifying where we get stuck in offering forgiveness, you have made the first step towards you know, moving into forgiveness because, you know, moving to forgiveness and being able to truly forgive takes introspection. We need to dig into our hearts and our minds. We need to dig into what is happening inside of us internally. And this is really what is going to help to set us free to be able to, to, to move a little bit more into this biblical kind of forgiveness. To know where we get stuck. What is it that is making forgiveness hard for you? So my prayer for you today is, is as we've gone through this talk to identify what biblical forgiveness is and what it entails. What exactly God expects of us. And then to ask yourself, 
yourself, where is it where I get stuck? Use one scenario. Don't try and do all of the different scenarios together. Look at one offense of one person that you are dealing with currently or if it's many offenses, whatever, and ask yourself, where is it that I get stuck in here? What is it? What aspect of this is making it difficult for me so that you can deal with it? And tomorrow we're going to look at part two of, you know, what makes forgiveness so hard. And then we're going to discuss some of these difficulties and some of these things where people intentionally harm us and and how do we deal with the internal hurt and the external damages and still be able to forgive in the way that God expects us to forgive. My prayer for you is that God will give you mercy as we go on this journey together. May God bless you. The Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our daily mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word yes to plus 27836584296. Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone each morning at 8 a.m. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological guidance to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. If you are interested in receiving these daily WhatsApp audio devotions straight to your phone, then WhatsApp the word YES to plus 27836584296. And now, may your darkness turn to light as the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in His wings.